Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Today's guest is Anike Lemchuku, the founder of LaPapo, a platform that supports parents in caring for their child's additional needs. Originally founded in 2019 in London, LaPapo relaunched in Atlanta earlier this year. Anike, welcome to the show. Hi, Sanjay. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I'm excited to have you on because I think the area that you're working in is so needed. Uh, but before we get into that, give us a little bit about your background and what got you to here, here today. Yeah, so when I was a baby, I, I died. And I think, I believe that there's like okay. a baby. Okay, uh, <laughs> you just kind of like passed over that. Let's, I mean... <laughs> uh, when I was a baby, I died. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that before we just kind of gloss over it. Yeah, I don't always tell everyone this story because I do think it's, it's a little bit weird. People be like, what do you mean? Um, <laughs> but essentially, um, the coroners came, they pronounced my body was gone. My mum prayed. She was like, you're not taking my baby. Like, there's no way that she's gone. Like, go back and do something. The doctors were like, no, I'm really sorry, but she's gone. My mum continued to pray and then... I was like, well, I guess I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm back. That's <laughs> that's like the, the, the second line of the Terminator. I'll be back. And then I, I guess I'm back. Uh, uh, yeah. Not, I'm not saying that you're a robot, but, you know, there you go. Uh, okay. So uh, you died and came back. And then, and then what happened? So I think, I think there's, in my mind, right, there's like a baby heaven and I went there and then there were these children, right, and these children were like, look, if you're going to go back to Earth, do something to help us. And I was like, sure. And they were like, you can go now. <laughs> you can go. I, I like how you took it very casually, like, sure, that's, I mean, that sounds like a reasonable request. Uh, let me go do that. Um, okay. Um. But essentially, I've always wanted to work with kids since I was a kid. Like, I was five years old, and I remember, like, looking at the mailbox, and they had these little papers, like, be a babysitter, like, take off a paper to become a babysitter. Uh Um, And I was like, well, you're five. Like, who are you going to (laughs) babysit? I'm babysitting anyone. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And then I wanted to be a um, pediatrician. I was like, yeah, no, I don't like blood. It's not for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I just like continue to have when I was younger just continue to have like different health issues like I still have a scar on my belly from like having surgery still have a picture that my mum took when I was a child and it said on the back of it it said this is Tammy this is what my family called me Tammy 
This is Temi six months after surgery. I'm just there smiling. Two, two weeks, sorry. Two weeks after Two weeks surgery. after surgery. Six months old. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're just smiling two weeks after surgery at six months old? Of course. Like, I don't stay down for long. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think my passion for working with kids just came from there. Um, and I became a special needs teacher. And I absolutely loved it. Loved working with the kids, loved working with families. And I was like, then something needs to be done more to help these families. Um, and yeah, that's when the kind of journey to the Lapapo journey kind of came. Yeah. So tell us uh, what exactly is Lapapo? So Lapapo is an online platform that uses technology to make it easier to care for a child with special needs. Essentially, we offer home care, respite, and in-home services that allow families to get that break and maintain that work-life balance. Um, that's essentially how we operate. We're looking at being going through Medicaid and health insurance to take that financial burden off of families so they don't have to pay for it. Um, but yeah, it's all focused around that. Like, you've got a lot going on. Because, I mean, I grew up in a single-parent home. Like, my, my mom, my, one mom, four kids... Trying to figure out where we're... I still remember, like, looking in the newspaper, like, where are we going to live today? Like, we're, <laughs> we're, like, moving... Oh, we're moving again? I'm, okay, where are we living? Um, just looking at different apartments, like, trying to figure right. out where we're going to live. Right. Um, and it was, like, four of us that used to share one bedroom. So, like, me and my sister were on a bunk bed. My brother and my sister were on the bed that was next to the bunk bed. So it was, like, we had... <laughs> I had a very interesting childhood, like a very yeah. interesting upbringing. So is, is La Papo uh, the first time that you've started something entrepreneurial? Or was there something like, what do you like? Obviously, you weren't a babysitter when you were five years old. But <laughs> uh, was there something entrepreneurial that you did when you were younger? <clears throat> yeah, so we used to, me and my sisters used to have, um, we used to play restaurant in our house. <laughs> and we used to have this, um, this, we would make like the whole menu. We would like invite our friends over and we would make um, bread. We would make pizza from ketchup and cheese. <laughs> so, and then we would just like, hey, do you want to buy our pizza? So I think we, we always had that like entrepreneurial spirit. Um, when I went to university, I started the, came the Brunel Psychology Society, which was like basically just focused on psychology and like encouraging people that are studying that because so i was like why is there no psychology society whenever i think like why is there no this i always just start it um i also started the tla tech for disability working group which they're doing a great job now it's in london um it basically i was there were different tla groups and i was like why is there no group focused on disability um and i went to meet the head of tla and i was like you should have a TLA disability group. It was like, if you want to start it, then you can. I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> so I think I always had that, like, I would say like an initiation spirit more than a like entrepreneurial type of thing. Um, but I do think, yeah, there was a part of me that would have also been happy. Not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got to ask about the uh, cheese ketchup pizzas. <laughs> Uh, did you actually make and the money microwave on microwave cakes? And <laughs> of course, you cannot forget the microwave cakes. 
Did you actually make money on that? Uh, did people actually pay for it? Or did they ask for refunds after they had the cheese ketchup pizzas? They, they didn't give us real money. <laughs> no real money. So it was... It was a very solidly in the red business. It was a money loser. It maybe not for you, maybe for your, your mom, because she's providing all this, uh, the, the materials and making no money on it. So yeah. uh, early lesson on, um, you know, making sure you get paid for the thing that you do. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, because so, that was a waste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was fun and, and it, it, it taught you stuff. So that's good. Um, so when you were starting out La Papo, um, were, were you nervous about it? Did anything, you know, like concern you about doing this and launching this, like not understanding some part of the business? Uh, you know, what was that if, if there was anything? Yeah. So, um, I originally started La Papa, what I originally wanted it to be was something very different. Um, and coming from a teaching and education background and moving into the business world is this very is, is a complete shift. Um, so I first went to try and get this grant and they were like, I like the social idea. How does it make money? And I was like, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> You're like, somebody else just gives me money over and over again. That's not my problem. Like, no, it's, it is your problem. <laughs> So I went back to the drawing board, um, changed it, and then what the papa was then was a um, product marketplace. I then made it a product marketplace for children, special needs products for children. Um, and essentially, parents would pay for the products. It was essentially an e-commerce platform. Um, parents would buy products online. It did decently well. I raised a crowdfund for about £10,000. Got a couple grants for it. Um, and then we made sales in Australia, America, and Denmark um, when we were living in London. So I thought that was quite interesting because people would say, oh, we found your website because someone talked about it from when I was in Australia. I was like, you found me from Australia? Interesting. Um, so it was doing okay. But COVID happened. Um, right. And then I was like, this product marketplace uh -huh. is not solving the problem I set it out to solve um so that's when I uh. was like okay we need to something's not right so when we stopped and then pivoted but yeah support for this podcast comes from Hiscox committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901 quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at hiscox.com hiscox business insurance experts. So you've gone through a, a pivot too, which is uh, super interesting. Um, how did you kind of manage that with the business? And, and during all of this, you also moved from London to the US here to Atlanta, right? Yeah. So how did you manage the business doing all of that at the same time? Or did the pivot happen because of the move as well? Yeah, so... When, so I, I, when I was in London during COVID, after COVID, I was like, this isn't right. Um, it's not doing itself in the problem I wanted it to solve. I decided that, okay, I'm going to take a step back. So I was like, let's just close it down. And that was hard because when, when you've crowdfunded and people have invested into you and mm. you've got these grants and you're looking at this thing and you're like, it's just not it. 
like it's just not it um yeah and then I was in London but I always knew I wanted to go back to Atlanta and I'm very like intuitive person so I feel like if something's telling me that I need to move or that a certain space isn't right like then I usually follow that intuition um so that intuition was like guiding me back so I always knew I wanted to come back to Atlanta but that intuition was guiding me back to Atlanta at that time um so I was like okay let's move back and then I was like am I really gonna restart this business in a whole new city (laughs) like when I don't when I don't even know like what's gonna come of it yeah and then the WE program which is um they would invest in Atlanta, but they are focused on women's, women entrepreneurs. Um, that opportunity came up, and I was like, and it had so many, it had so many, so much criteria. It was like you have to get uh-huh. this much revenue, you have to be doing these things. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I don't I'm have sure that, anyone. but I have this. <laughs> you're like, you I have this, this other thing. <laughs> yeah, um, and I didn't think I was going to get in, but I did. And I think that just like started the initiation of like starting a business. Because to right. get on a program, you have to have your business registered. I was like, I don't have it registered yet. I'm just thinking if I want to get back into it. Um, and it just started the initiation. Um, and it was so funny because when I was in London, some of the things I weren't, wasn't able to do came so much easier when I came to Atlanta. And um, yeah. Uh, so, for example, like finding a co-founder. I, when I was building the pop originally, I was on my own. I, and everyone, everyone was like, you shouldn't do business as a solo founder. I'm like, I hear you. <laughs> Are you joining me? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like, I hear you, but like, if you want to find them for me. And it, <clears throat> the whole time I was in London, constantly like trying to meet people, trying to bring someone on. It was so hard. Like, finding a CTO in London was, like, it's no one anywhere. Moved to Atlanta, met my CTO within a couple of months. I was like, that process, like, when you're meant to be somewhere for a reason, you're meant to be somewhere for a reason. Um, But, yeah. I mean, research shows, and that advice is true, that research shows that the average number of founders for a successful startup is, like, 2.3 founders. Mm-hmm. Um, so between two and three is kind of like the magic number. That said, there's plenty of companies that have been founded by a single person mm. uh, that have been successful. And then plenty of companies that have been founded by teams of like five and seven people. Uh, I, I feel like Intel is actually one of them when it was like four or five people that were really, or maybe it was three people, but it was, it was not just one or two. It was, it was a number of people. And sometimes having all of that expertise around the table is useful mm-hmm. um, in getting going. My my own startup, my very first startup, uh, it was three of us, me and two other co-founders. Uh, and this was well before I knew any of this stuff, probably before this research even existed. Um, so I just got, uh, I got lucky with so, so many things along the way. So, um, okay, so let, let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about kind of the, the stress. The, the business that you're in is, is meaningful and impactful, but probably also stressful because, you know, you want to do things so fast because you know that the impact that this could have on families and and most importantly, the kids, especially the kids that sent you back to do this work. <laughs> um, 
and, you know, like they're watching you. So, uh, you know, you've got this, you know, so you've got that stress on you too, or, or maybe you never thought about that. And now I've just induced that stress on you. So how, how do you, how do you manage the stress of owning this, this company and this business and, and like the rest of life? Yeah, that is a great question because it is, I mean, I think anyone that journeys for to become an entrepreneur has to be some level of crazy. You have to be, <laughs> you have to, <laughs> you have to be a little, a little yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it is just, um, in some ways it's also freeing. And I don't think it's freeing in the same way that people say it's freeing. Like, oh, I've got all this time and I can do all these things. <laughs> I think it's freeing in the way of you're not um, kind of like, oppressed by the system in some ways you're not like you're you're following your own path you're following your own kind of journey and that is freeing because you're not like tied to something else um but I think it's also for me like I do I'm very big on meditation very big on meditation I, I meditate like every morning um I think for me, gym is a big thing as well. I need to do my yoga. I need to do, go to like get a good workout in. I just going for a walk in a park. Yeah. Um, because there, there's so many pressures. I think being, being a founder, even though I've got a team, is like you're still carrying the brunt of it because you're like the visionary, the ideas person. You're, you're still like paving finding, figuring out. Um, and I think that's a lot of pressure on top of it. And then obviously, like, you know, the people that this community that I'm trying to serve and like hearing their challenges and trying to figure out like how to best serve them as well. That's also like a challenge. Um, and on top of that, being a black female <laughs> added to it, <laughs> it is, it is, it is a lot. Um, but I think if you know your why and you're centered in your why um, and you hold true to that, it can be more freeing. Not in time because there's, there's, no, there's no free time. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no free time as an entrepreneur. I, 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 that basically doesn't exist. So I, I want to ask you about, um, you mentioned uh, exercise and you've got this routine and yoga how do you work that into your day? Is it like, do you have your calendar and then every day that time is already blocked off and then that's sacred and, and nothing else interferes with that? Or is it flexible and you're like, well, I'm just going to work it in somehow. How do you kind of manage that for yourself? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely blocked in. Um, I wake up at about 6 a.m. and I leave to start my day at about 8.30 so from like 6 to 8.30, that is my time to, if I need to listen to some videos, if I need to read some books, if I need to meditate, that like shower, all of that gets done in that period. Um, and then I have a set gym day. I have a Thursday evening. That's my um, gym and yoga day, Sunday morning and Saturday morning. So I have it like, kind of built into like a set routine so I know each week like this is how and yeah I don't really break from that yeah 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 so it's it's kind of set in stone this is what you do um and and nothing nothing breaks that or is there something like 
Is there something that would break that routine for you if it happened? So my morning routine, nothing breaks that. But my evening gym routine, like if there was like a business networking event or like that would right. take precedence, so I'd do that. And I would just like switch my gym day to like another day in the week. So that's like flexible. But I usually try and get in two to three days minimum a week in the gym. Uh-huh. So it's almost like I can like keep that up. Um, but morning, I don't know what I, I, I there's like that time is I have to keep that time like that isn't my day would be impossible right <laughs> like I wouldn't be able to like get up and move and still have be like positive about things because even like right now like the amount of things that are happening right now I'm like and you're still smiling yeah <laughs> like, why not <laughs> Why not? We, we we still get to work on these things, right? Exactly. So that's that's the positive of all of it is that uh, every day we get to go out and, and make a difference and hopefully move the needle just a little bit. So Yeah, I like that. I think it's yeah. just that that little bit of just being able to move the needle. Like, because I was looking at something the other day and it was like, sometimes if you can't take like a leap, just take a like baby step, like right. take a step in the next right direction. Like what's the yeah. right next? Like, just do that. And, and that's a, I think that's a challenge for a lot of people because they see how large of a task they have in front of them mm. to go from like maybe being not an entrepreneur to being an entrepreneur. And you've lived it, right? Mm. Uh, there's so many things that you have to do. You mentioned registering your company and thinking about how you're going to raise money and how you're going to fund this thing. All of the, it's a lot of steps. Mm. And for a lot of people, when you look at all of that, it becomes overwhelming. But instead, if you break this down and be like, just every day, I'm going to move the needle just a little bit. Mm. And and once we become entrepreneurs too, taking it that same approach, no, we're not going to conquer the mountain on day one, but we do a little step every single day. And right. maybe by day 365 or 1000 or 5000, we'll be able to look <laughs> back and be like, Oh, look at uh, like all of those little steps added up to this this big accomplishment. I um, love that because someone yeah. said it's it's not a, it's not a um mar- it's not a sprint it's a marathon. So it is just that because if you think about like the if I was to think about like right now like where what I see in my head as La Papa yeah how to create that I would be like I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's like, just too much. Uh, <laughs> Let me just go get a job. This is just too much. Yeah. Yeah. But it is just those like, and also knowing why you're doing it. I think if you know why you're, and everyone has a different yeah. why. Like, right. But holding on to that, whether it's family or yeah. like your future children or whatever, like, right. And, and I think it also goes back to what you said earlier is that uh, we've got to be a little crazy, uh, right? Like, you, you see this big thing that's ahead of you and you're like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm the person that can do right? this. It, it, it is a little bit uh, crazy, maybe a little bit arrogant, uh, maybe a but little bit like, ignorant. Why uh, not you, though? Why not you, right? Somebody has to do it. Why not you is what it boils down to. Okay, so y- you've been doing this now for a number four-ish years, right? Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy, <laughs> right? Every, every day just kind of builds upon itself, like what we were just talking about. If you could go back and do something differently... Uh, knowing what you know now, what would that be? And why would you do it differently? And how would you do it differently? I don't think I would change anything. Because everything taught me what I needed to learn to get to the next stage. Um, 
I think one of the greatest challenges was the was my crowdfunding campaign. Uh-huh. Um, and I think if I was to do anything, I would have probably... So when I started my crowdfunding campaign, I originally wanted to raise 20K. Okay. And I was like... It was like part funded, match funded by like the bank. Um, so you just had to really raise half of it. Um, and I told myself, like, I was going to do it. At the beginning, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Halfway through, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do 20. I can't do 20. I brought it down to 10. Uh-huh. And if I was to go back, I would have kept it at 20. Uh-huh. And seen how far I could push myself to see if I could have done that 20. I didn't yeah. get the 10 in the end. But right. I would have wanted to see if I could have reached that 20. Yeah. Because there was this metaphor that I was looking at the thing. It was like sometimes you're so close to to the gold, but you kind of back down like just before you get to the gold is right there, but you right. just back down. And I feel like that was one of those moments where it was like, I could have if I pushed it. Yeah. Do you, what, uh, do you think it was it self doubt? Yeah. You just that's all it was. Yeah, I think it was definitely. I think everything's mindset. Like I feel like mindset is so big. Like if you believe you can do something, you can do it. If you believe you can't do it, you you won't do it. Right. If you believe there's a way around it, you'll find it. If you think oh this is hopeless, it's hopeless. So it was like if I had just like had that self-belief and that confidence and that I'm going to find a way to get it. But I didn't have that then. I had the, I can't do it. Yeah. Mindset. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh you remind me of a quote. Um, I've actually got it on my laptop. Uh, I'd taken one of my kids to space camp in Huntsville, uh, Alabama, and we were being toured around by a docent. Um, who had been involved with the space program, the the rocket program a long time ago. And one of his quotes was that he said a number of times was the only things that are impossible are the things you don't try. Right. Uh, and, and that, that stuck with I me. Like that. you are, you are dead on. Mm. Um, but also, and, and this is kind of like that, right? You didn't try to do the 20 mm. because that self doubt creeped in. Uh, so you got the 10, because that's what you tried, but maybe if you'd kept it at the 20, maybe you would have been successful with that. So um, great advice. Like, and, and and now do, do you think about that now when you're doing things and like push down that self-doubt? Yeah. I'm like, really now I'm like, okay, what do I like knowing that, but your belief is everything. Like, what do you believe you could achieve? And then also like, you have to put in the work to get, make that belief. You can't be like, yeah, I believe I can achieve this thing and just sit back and like, it's going to show up. But if you believe that you can achieve something and then you work hard to achieve that thing, like that's now like my mentality. Whereas before it was like, oh, I can't do it. Even now, like people are like talking about like investment and all these type of things. They're like, well, you know, only point something, something investment goes to black feet. I'm like, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be one of those. Right. Uh, I don't see the problem here. <laughs> You said point, okay, well, there's still that point. So, <laughs> so you're saying it's not zero. Right. So it's not zero, so it's still the possibility. So, <laughs> unless it's zero, I'm good. Uh, there you go. Um, okay, so last question for you. 
what would you tell somebody, and I think we've given them tons of advice throughout <laughs> this interview now, but what would you tell somebody that's thinking about taking the leap like you and starting a side hustle or, or launching a full-time business? I would say if you know why you want to do it and you're, you've, you believe in yourself to do it, then you have to leap because otherwise it will eat at you. <laughs> yeah. And something said, like, I remember like the other day, it was like, never go, you don't want to go to your grave with your dreams because then you yeah. can't achieve them. Right. So you have to leave. Yeah. I, I think the other part of that then too is, is that, you know, inevitably somebody else will probably do the thing that you have thought of and right. you're going to regret, like, see, they were successful. Exactly. And that, and that could have been you. And that could have been you. Right. Exactly. Um, Anike, this has been an incredible conversation. <laughs> I absolutely, I think we could probably talk for another hour. Um, and, and our listeners would probably love it, but we're, we're going to end it here. Um, where can our listeners find and connect with you online? So you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to spell my name. <laughs> <laughs> It's Anike. It'll be in the title yeah. of the podcast so they, they can find <laughs> it there. I'm definitely not going to spell it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, yeah. is, is that the main place they should find you, LinkedIn? You can also find uh, me, LaPapa, uh, LaPapa Special Needs.com, um, or on Instagram, same LaPapa Special Needs. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show today. <laughs> okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit Hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit Hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Pard. You can find out more about me at my website, sanjayparik.com.